Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hey, happy Tuesday afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the first ever live episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey! Thursday afternoon. I'm sorry about that. Things <laughs> mixed up at this advanced age. It is Thursday afternoon. Thanks for joining us live here, 2 p.m. PT uh, from the heart of Los Angeles. So we are. Here, I am here in the Outlaw Nation studios and the two satellite studios over there, the Mike Vogel uh, Production Company and uh, the Shannon McClung uh, uh, LLC over there. We we're all doing our thing here today. We're excited to be live with you all uh, throughout the program. We're going to take your super chats, your stream labs, your regular chats. Of course, if those of you want to come in live, I just put in a link for you to come in live and ask us questions. We'll be taking those in between each of these segment breaks and get into it all. Uh, let us introduce ourselves for those of you who might be new to the show. My name is John Roca. I'm a writer, producer, and host here uh, at the Outlaw Nation. Uh, and this is Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and future uh, presidential candidate. Thanks, Ethan. I'm, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, Teen Wolf. And if John is in the heart of L.A., I am in the lungs because this is going to be a breath of fresh air, this podcast. <laughs> I mean, technically, all of us are coming from you live from the uh, the hottest hot spot in the United States. Thank you, Corona. So, oh, yeah, uh, true, yay, Los true. Angeles. Yay, well, Los let's Angeles. Not, let's not bring this show down. Uh, just yet. Just yet. <laughs> but uh, shout out to uh, Shannon McClung, who dressed up for this one. He is not coming back from an audition to be a banker that is actually dressed up for us today. You're looking great, Shannon. Oh, thank you. Apparently, I'm the only one who uh, cared. Well, no, no. Uh, look, I, <laughs> I mean, Mikey looks like he's wearing a nice smart shirt. That's very nice. I know. I have a It matches my eyes. 
It I, does. Have a, I have a power lunch after this. Sorry. <laughs> Do you really, Don <laughs> Draper? That's <All> nice. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm wearing my Liverpool stuff because as it stands right now, we are literally seconds away from winning our first title in 30 years. And so I'm extremely excited. But hey, the Geek Buddies takes precedence uh, going live. So I'm going to go watch the rest of that a little bit later. But I thought I'd rep my team from, uh, from England who I've followed for so long. And I'm excited to get into all the stuff we are doing uh, today here. We're going to talk about uh, Michael Keaton, Batman, what that might be for the entire DCWB, uh, DCU stuff. We're going to talk about that as our main topic. And for those of you who are new to the show, uh, what we usually do is we'll talk about three geek news items in the first part of the show, and then we jump into our main topic after a quick break. In between each of the uh, topics, we'll take your Super Chats, your, cha- your Streamlabs, and, uh, and uh, your live questions as well from you here on the show. We're going to go extra long, I think, go past the usual hour that we do. So going to make sure everybody gets a chance to speak about things. And for those of you who are returning uh, to uh, to watch the Geek Buddies, thank you so much for uh, patronizing our show and supporting our show. Uh, anything you two want to add before we jump into this thing? Yeah, I'd like to say to Daniel Davis, this is only the second time that I've worn a collared shirt since all this began. So I'm with you. <laughs> and a shout out to Ethan Murphy there who uh, who called Michael uh, there we go president Michael Vogel there Ethan Murphy giving some love I'll take it. to the I'll future take president it. there yeah it's a good to go we by can, the way we every time you. you say it every time you say it Rokatel says it's just going to my head so uh keep it up no <laughs> as if it wasn't already there <laughs> uh, as i said i'll take secretary of defense that's all i want uh let's see here <laughs> oh i like this i like how they literally took the e the ego and the super ego. <laughs> nice ethan thanks so much uh remember gang we're definitely going to take your stream labs and your super chats so send them in support the show support the outlaw nation as much as you can give us some love as a live show we're going to get you know it, it'd be great to have some uh extra comments to read here uh oh the Lovely Sarah Copperthwaite is joining us. Well, well, well. There's shout oh. out to Sarah Copperthwaite taking time from her busy day to hang out with us. So, all right, let's get into it. What's our what's our first uh, geek news item of this show? Yeah. So this past week we got the third and presumably final trailer for The King's Man. This is the yeah. third entry in the Kingsman franchise from Matthew Wan. Now this one is actually a, an origin story of how the world's first independent intelligence agency got this start incredible cast here ray fines jaiman hansu risa fans Gemma arteran now this is again this is the third trailer now i thought this trailer was fantastic mm-hmm. but this is also the third release date it has had it was supposed mm. to initially come out in november of two, uh, 2019 it was bumped to february 2020 and then it was bumped to september just a couple months away I have yeah. my thoughts on this, but first, guys, what did you think of the trailer? Michael? Hmm. Uh, I think that on a, on its own as a trailer, it's very stylish. It's very cool. It has the Kingsman vibe. Like, I'll, I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. I think in the bigger picture of things, I feel like at this point I could not be less excited. Wow. If that may, I mean, really? I, think it's a, I think it's a combination of the fact, and I think we've talked about it. We talked about the first trailer when it came out. Mm-hmm. I love the first Kingsman movie. I think it's great. I think it was amazing. It was so fresh. It was so cool. I right. really did not like the second Kingsman movie. I thought there was like three good ideas in there and then a whole yeah. bunch of awfulness as far as yeah. storytelling went and just whatever. And so already you're sort of going in with like a 50-50. And even though this trailer looks very stylish, very cool, definitely feels more like the original, I think maybe there's something about the release dates moving and everything going on. And also, 
just in general, and I think that you can't fully separate yourself from this, like I am craving stories that feel different and new, probably yeah. for a lot of reasons that have been going on in the past several weeks. And everything about this story feels like a very kind of old, like stylistically cool, but like, yeah, yeah okay, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tell you this. I enjoyed it because of the period piece that it is. I like that you've got Ray Fiennes coming in to essentially be the lead of this movie. You know, in the first two films, it's uh, Taron Egerton who's essentially the lead. Colin Firth is the uh, the mentor or the assistant. It seems very clearly that, the, you know, this young kid will have something to do with it. But the way they're pitching it from these multiple trailers, it's really Ray Fiennes who's going to be in all the action, you know, fighting back, you know, being there in that bomb in the car, climbing that mountain, uh, you know, uh, getting into the fights, doing the hmm moment all of that is fantastic to see for someone who's been a massive fan of ray fine since the 90s uh it's great to see him still doing some action movies and getting involved in these kinds of movies plus he radiates that kind of world war one english upper crust kind of vibe so it's fun to see him playing this that being said though mike there's a little bit of trepidation i felt after this after this trailer They're like oh we're gonna make the movie funny and i'm like no i really like the vibe of the first trailer that seemed a bit more serious a bit more like heavy-handed and powerful and gritty and this one feels like well we're gonna do the tongue-in-cheek thing and that's what they tried really hard to do in the second movie so i agree with michael they i think they overdid it in the second movie and it lost its its effectiveness and it's and it's weight that the first the cuteness of the first movie got lost translating into the second movie uh and they've just overstuffed it and i'm afraid if in this movie it's not a little more clear what's happening here, uh, it could ha it could feel messy and jumbled and clumsy. Because I mean, there's shades of Sherlock Holmes in this. Uh, his fight with the you know in the first movie, his fight against the big French dude, very similar to what's happening at the end of this trailer. There's Wonder Woman vibes uh, to this as well in terms of the action and the anachronistic nature of some of the action. So there's stuff that we've seen before. I just hope overall this movie finally comes out. And is actually a, a damn good movie because it's a prequel, and I think it's Exy's grandfather uh, in this movie. Uh, you know, uh, so as a character, uh, I think Aaron Taylor Johnson is playing his grandfather as a character. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I like Jemma Honshu. I like uh, um, Gemma Arterton. Uh, I like those characters. And I look, Peter, uh, what's his face? Uh, Reese Ifans, uh, who, we who we last saw as the Lizard in the Spider-Man movie, seeing him. <laughs> play you know rasputin the mad monk as some kind of martial arts warrior i'm down for it i'm down for it yeah i i agree i agree with you guys because on paper this is the type of film that is tailor-made for me i love period historical yeah. action yeah. um with each kingsman film and with some of matthew vaughn's other films he likes to dip his toe into sort of the ridiculousness now okay. he did that in the first one but he was he was conservative about it like the heads blowing up in in sort of uh fireworks like explosions the the joke at the end which i was not a big fan of between taron egerton and the oh, i think she was icelandic the icelandic yeah. princess or the swedish princess right and then he kind of doubled down with that in the second movie and i feel like I feel like I agree with you, Mike. I mean, that's that's where it kind of lost me is like you had such a solid foundation where you could take this story and you kind of you, you kind of took the easy way out and went for the mm -hmm. kind of cheap joke. Um, the first trailer, we didn't get any sense of that. It seemed like you said, John, a very, very yeah. serious film with the second trailer. Uh, we got the Ray Fiennes parachute joke. And I'm like, oh, OK, this is right. I I'm kind of starting to sense what this could Hopefully, but might be. And also, yeah. the release date changes are an issue. I mean, you come out in November. That's a good date. You yeah. bump it to February. 
that's not a bad date. February over the last few years has started to become a good release date. I mean, that's when Black Panther was released. That's when Eternals is going to be released next year. I mean, that was the original release date for uh, uh, what was uh, Shang-Chi. Bumping it to September, which I do believe that's where the second film came out was in September. I'm like, bumping it to September, that one does not inspire a lot of confidence. So fingers crossed, uh, fingers crossed this movie is not what we are fearing it's going to be. I mean, yeah. I think Daniel Davis is right in the chat. I think jumbled is the word. Uh, and Linnell, holla at you, Linnell. How you doing? But hi. <laughs> Just saying hi to everybody. And keep Roka on his toes with all the people. I know, right? The like, like, there we go. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think jumbled is absolutely the right word. I think that what makes the first Kingsman great is that it's a amazing example of style and substance being yeah. in equal measures. They're both there. Okay. I think the second movie went heavier on style and way less on substance. And this one... We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, but in the end, it could end up uh, being something we don't 100 percent enjoy. And, you know, on the heels of the second movie, Mike, if they have and Shannon, if they have another film that's not that well received by the public critically or uh, box office wise, then, you know, all these plans that Matthew Vaughn has for this Kingsman universe, like the TV show, uh, a third film with uh, Eggsy and those characters could kind of start to, and he wanted to spin off the Statesman as well. Then you start to question as a studio, whether this is what you want to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Plus look, look in this uh, post black lives matter world where everyone is, you know, kind of being way more aware of the racial uh, implications of things. How many of those Kingsmen are black or are people of color? So that's the next move that you have to kind of look at here. Would you bring in a female, uh, a person of color to play uh, a fellow Kingsman with Eggsy? Like, do you make the changes here? Does Colin Firth now go to the sideline and you bring in uh, someone else who could be like a guide? Maybe an Idris Elba would be a fantastic addition. Oh, my gosh. As a mentor to Eggsy if you kill off uh, uh, Harry uh, so or Henry, whatever his name is. Uh, so those are possibilities as well. So, you know, those are all in place play but i think uh I'm, I'm with michael it feels a little jumbled but we'll see in the end if it's enough to to get us over the finish line uh all right once again we do have the stream labs and super chats open uh, i don't see any stream labs and super chats just yet rolling through but we got live people here who want to ask us some questions so let me bring in the all first right. of them andrew g are you ready man we're gonna bring you in are you ready Ready. Uh, boom. There's I'm ready this time. Hey! Let me uh, let me take our our thing down so you don't so you're not covered by uh, by us. There we go. Go ahead, my man. What's your question? Well, I am an animator in Ottawa. Sweet. So uh, I was trying to think of an animation related question, and I never feel like I can really think of a. I always feel pressure for some reason, but um, so I guess my question would be. Um, what is because uh, Mike, you work in animation and, and Shannon for sure, and uh, that is true. And Roka is a voiceover artist. Yeah, oh, true. Okay, um, it's not his side of things though. I know right. I get. Um, what would be your like number one top favorite animated movie and why series and why and uh, I guess this would be more for for Mike and Shannon something that you've you've made something you've worked on like production wise uh what's what's your favorite project that you've done in animation and why mm. okay, mm. okay. <laughs> anybody have a favorite movie and series to start with johnny shannon favorite uh, animated movie yeah yeah animated um, movie and favorite animated series 
animated movie had to be what mask of the Fa- uh batman Ma- uh, F- mask of the phantom whatever it is phantasm whatever it's okay. called yeah that one is a fantastic one but no it has to be sure. into the spider-verse doesn't it it's into the spider-verse it's spider-man into the spider-verse uh that's my favorite animated movie bar none if you go on anime i will say akira is probably my favorite one tv series wise i have to defer to both of these gentlemen because i'm not as schooled in animated tv series as they are i'll just answer uh, batman beyond or batman the animated series those are my only two easy answers so uh, gentlemen please uh let's see for a film gosh i mean as much as i do love into the spider-verse i think i gotta go with up Mm. um up is again it's 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 like a kingsman thing i mean you love a blimp. You love a blimp. I, I, I love a blimp. <laughs> <laughs> I love an old-timey adventurer with goggles. Um, <laughs> as far as series, man, it's really hard to get past Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, the storytelling, just because it's connected to this larger world, um, the storytelling is just so good, and it's so everything. It's just hard to get past the epicness of that universe. Yeah. And in terms of projects, I mean, I, I don't have nearly as much experience as uh, as Mikey. Um, but my favorite thing thus far is probably something that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Should, can we say it again, Mike? I don't know. I'll defer to you here. If I said it, you can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say that. You're allowed yeah, to say yeah. that. Right. Yeah. With, uh, Vogel and I kind of trying to reboot, uh, or rebooting Inspector Gadget. That yeah, thus far sure. has been my, my favorite thing that we, that I have done and, uh, fingers crossed, uh, you'll get to see it soon. Seriously, go. fingers crossed on that. Uh, I would say <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse is absolutely top five movies, animated movies of all time. I still think that the first thing that pops into my head when anybody asks me my favorite uh, animated movie is Toy Story 3. I, I have a really hard time getting past, in my opinion, just the sheer perfection of that movie. I think Toy wow. Story 3, for a thousand reasons, is just, it's a powerful emotional story. It has the moment in the trash compactor that all of us love. And I all, literally, for a split second, thought, that they were going to have some toys die. Like, like, like it, it was that intense to me. Uh, as far as animated series, uh, Shannon is correct that Rebels and Clone Wars is amazing. I have just been rewatching with friends, though, and I still have to go. And I don't separate the two, but Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra together, I think, are the greatest animated story ever told. Like, I, wow. I am wow. so impressed with um, with that storytelling. I'm impressed with... The fact that it doesn't like like Rebels and Clone Wars by far elevate Star Wars as a brand, but it still is pulling from the live action world of Star Wars and Batman or animated series or Batman Beyond are pulling from the comics. And Avatar and Korra are a wholly original creation in the world of television animation uh, that I think really can't be beaten. If you haven't watched it, I think like this is a legend and a part of our modern day mythology that holds its own uh, up against Star Wars or Harry Potter or anything else. Right. So that would be my answer for that. Uh, and I think that as far as what I've worked on. Um, Ooh, can you choose a, one of your babies? It's tough to choose my babies, but I will say, uh, I will say this because it leads right into our next Geek Buddies topic, but I will say that, like, I think that the most surprising thing in my life, uh, having been grown up as, like, a boys action kid who watched every action show, whatever, is that the thing that would have helped build my career and the thing that I would have invested so many years into is My Little Pony. Uh, And I think that the level of geeking out that I can do on that universe now, uh, given that I've worked on it both as an executive and as a writer, uh, and I think out of working on My Little Pony as a whole, the fact that I got to write lyrics to a song where I got to give Emily Blunt 
like notes on how she'd be singing a song. Like it's pretty cool. So yeah. I'm curious though, before we hop off, like I want to know what your favorites are. Like what's your favorite movie yeah. and what's your favorite uh, animated series? My favorite animated series, I think might have to be Samurai Jack. Oh, nice when choice. When that started airing on TV, I was like the perfect age. I think I was, I was just into high school and that it, it still blows me away. I recently got the Blu-ray set and I've watched them all. It's amazing. I love what Gendy did with that show. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. My favorite series that I've worked on might be DC Superhero Girls, which we animated here. The new oh, version. Nice. So sweet. That Shit. was fun. Just because I'm so into that stuff, and it was really fun because I was so into it, and we got to do a lot of cool, like, there's a lot of deep cut comic book fan stuff in mm. there, like, um, or I've worked on Mickey Mouse shorts and Wander Over Yonder. I loved. It was hard to do, technically, mm. like it was heavy, but I loved yeah, working on it. And those Mickey Mouse shorts are gorgeous, so that's awesome. Yeah, I got to work on that for about a year and a half, so I think just season three, but that was cool. Uh, that's and awesome. my my favorite animated film, something a lot of people might not know, Rock and Rule. Hmm. What is, is that? that? We've like, never seen Rock and Rule. Is that that old school '80s thing? It's got like music by like Iggy Pop and Debbie Harry. Oh and, yeah, Wind and Fire. <laughs> it was done up in that Toronto, shit. I think. It's very like that heavy shit metal. Is- bananas it's it is great. bananas yeah. <laughs> i love it if you've never seen rock and roll definitely give it a shot it's a very cool 80s movie that a lot of people don't know about All if right. you like stuff like heavy metal and, and and older 80s animated stuff definitely look up rock and rule that's awesome you, can, you just google it on youtube and you will see that You'll it see is it a YouTube, yeah. thing. Like, awesome. you just gotta look at about 30 seconds and be like i need to take some mushrooms i think the whole thing's <laughs> on there <laughs> Not that we're advocating. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Not that we're advocating. <laughs> I want to make it clear. Uh, all right. Thanks, Andrew, man. It's always good to yep. see you, brother. Thanks, Andrew. You too, man. Thanks for the question. Take it easy. Always uh, good to see you. Really, good to see you. Good stuff really, there. Good stuff. Quick to, to Vincent in the chat. Uh, uh-huh. I will. We will do an entire episode where I will debate you on whether Legend of Korra is well, as I good as I need to bring it in not. first. So Vincent's asking. You know, you jump at the gun there, Mike. Let me bring him in. Vincent Zawada asks us with a super chat. Legend of Korra is not nearly as good. So go ahead. Your response, Mike. I will say, look, they're very different, and I think Avatar is the original. So absolutely, like it holds itself up as like these are the original characters. This is the original world. Uh, what I appreciate about Legend of Korra is the fact that they didn't just do the adult versions of the characters that we grew up loving. Like they took a chance and they went in a very different direction tonally. They went in a very different direction with the level of technology, and they created a very different Avatar for a very very different era. And I totally respect people that are like, I like Avatar more. I totally respect people that like Korra more. I happen to think to myself that I I look at it as one big story. But uh, I just recently with my brother, we just finished watching uh, Legend of Korra again all the way through. And I got to tell you, like, I think it totally stands up. But I'm happy to debate Aang versus Korra any day of the week. That's fair. And, uh, you know, we had a friend of ours chiming in here. He's a little upset that we didn't mention <laughs> his film. The correct answer is Reign of Super- of the Superman, you jerks. Uh, that's from Tim Sheridan, who is actually who wrote uh, the upcoming new film here, The Reign of the Superman, uh, uh, that stars so many great Alexander Daddario, so many great voices involved in this. The trailer dropped, I think, a couple of days ago. So t- Tim Sheridan coming in, a former Florida State Seminole with the rest of us, or most of us, uh, and uh, busting our balls a little bit. So, uh, yeah, what's your, th- what's your answer to Tim Sheridan's uh, comment here? I, 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 uh, I don't know her. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She doesn't even go here. Yeah, right. Tim, 
Tim, Tim, once you get my double entendres on Twitter, then we'll talk. <laughs> we, we, uh, we had some uh, we had some Twitter back and forth this week, and uh, oh. he didn't get my jokes. He didn't get my jokes. Well, yeah. <laughs> Tim's not usually getting jokes unless he's the one telling them. So, you know, got to give him a little bit of patience for that. Uh, all right, let's bring in Brennan uh, live here on the show. Brennan, what's up, Hello. my man? What's your question for us, bud? Hey, Mike. Hey, Shannon. Hey, how's hey, it guys? going? Good. Uh, I have a question. I was watching a video yesterday about... Uh, there was going to be a Paradise Lost uh, adaptation a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. With uh, Alex Proyas directing and Radley Cooper in the role of Lucifer. Do you think that would be something interesting to see? Do you mean uh, as an eventually as, do? Do you mean as an animated thing, or do you mean as a live action thing? A live action. Oh, interesting! Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, definitely. Like, I didn't. I didn't actually. I don't remember reading about that, but I. I mm. think that's cool. Um, did Bradley Cooper as Lucifer? Yeah. Yep. I mean, look, Lucifer's hot, so that seems right to me. <laughs> like, and you're like, talking I'm about the it. John Milton book, right? Paradise yeah. Lost. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I would say that's certainly that's certainly an ambitious idea. But if there's a star that can get it made, it would be it would be Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Um, uh, or just yeah. the general, the general idea does it appeal to you? I think so. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, we we've seen them try many times to do Heart of Darkness, Joseph, Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. So why wouldn't they try Paradise Lost? But it seems to be a kind of a cursed story, Brendan. People have tried to put it on and haven't been able to get it done for That's whatever true. reason. So uh, I, I wouldn't go near it if I was. It's almost like saying Macbeth in a crowded theater. I would not go near that kind of situation myself personally. God's fighting against it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It just feels like maybe wow. or the devil or the devil. To be honest with you. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Uh, all right, Brent, any other any other question for us or a comment, brother? Uh, that, that's really it, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Take Thanks, care. Brennan. It's a good guy, that Brennan. He comes in a lot on the Outlaw Nation, so good to see him chiming in here as well. Yeah, you, that's how you can come in live. If you're watching us now, you want to come in live. Hint, hint, Tim Sheridan. You can come in and ask your questions and uh, get a little ball busting done as well. So uh, come in live when you feel like it, and we'll uh, we'll uh, uh, bring you in in between each of the segments here. All right, we don't have any Streamlabs and Super Chats uh, besides the one that Vincent just sent here. He said, hey, why would you separate her from her past lives? I don't know if that's a spoiler, so maybe we shouldn't address that uh, necessarily. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about this. Go watch Legend of Korra. Everybody watch it. Once everyone has watched it, everybody come back. Then we're going to talk about it. That sounds good. I like that. I like that idea. Uh, All right. Let's move on to our second topic. Uh, Mikey, I think you got this one. Uh, Yeah, I do. So uh, The Atlantic came out this week with an article, uh, the title of which is surprising to anybody unless you are into the My Little Pony Pony fandom, which is My Little Pony fans are ready to admit that they have a Nazi problem. (laughs) Uh, And uh, given that I uh, uh, I am... uh, pretty qualified to discuss this we figured we'd cover this topic uh and we think it's an interesting thing to talk about with fandoms so yes the my little pony fandom uh which uh developed around this latest version of my little pony friendship is magic which launched on the hub uh in october of 2010 um as everybody knows for the most part developed a very interesting fan base of adult uh people that really loved it adult men and they called themselves the bronies 
so that fandom developed on 4chan, which uh, for people who don't know is an area of the internet that is very questionable in uh, a lot of ways. Uh, and as part of that, from the very beginnings of the My Little Pony fandom, there has been sort of a uh, countercultural presence that even as the fandom grew and people really embraced the show, there are people that love this show that is about friendship and rainbows and pony and awesome mythology who also are more on the white nationalist side of things, the Nazi side of things. And this was expressed primarily in a lot of the artwork that came out in the fandom, that as much as there's awesome pictures of your favorite ponies doing awesome things, there's also a lot of artwork out there that tends to be a little bit more on the divisive side. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, ponies with swastikas with as cutie marks on their butts and stuff that gets way more intense than that. Wow. So the long and short of it is, this has been a challenge in the My Little Pony fandom, but we think that as we were discussing using this as a topic, it's something that extends out to lots of fandoms, that there are these fandoms that exist in the world uh, surrounding shows, movies, things that people love, and that within those fandoms, there are a lot of different factions of people. Uh, and one of the things particularly about the My Little Pony fandom, fandom was that since the show itself preaches tolerance and preaches yeah. the idea of embracing everybody and friendship can exist anywhere and a lot of those ideals that the fandom itself tried to tolerate everything mm -hmm. uh, to the point with which the very first time that I went to a My Little Pony convention, I took two friends with me uh, and me and one of my friends went to dinner, went up afterwards, and then his husband was wandering around the convention center, who is Jewish, and accidentally wandered in to the alt-right brony room with lots of Pepe the Frogs and swastikas, got very, very worried about it. Um, and so it, it is a part of the fandom. It's a part of this idea of like, when you're going to accept everybody, you're going to tolerate everybody. How do you kind of uh, square with that? Uh, and so that's been something that's been coming up a lot. And so the article kind of covers that. Uh, how does this, how do you guys take this as not being so entrenched in the My Little Pony as me? How does that sort of take you when you see the, uh, the headlines there? Well, I don't know. It seems like a natural progression, doesn't it? The second adults get involved in something, then everything be, starts to become uh segmented and compartmentalized and uh, used for their own political benefits or religious benefits or their own personal point of view benefits and so it's not really a surprise i'm sure there's an alt-right uh Mar a marvel avengers uh room you could wander into or or, or talk room I mean, like where captain america's seen a certain way and i'm sure they're upset that he handed the uh, shield over to a black man i mean so there's there's all kinds i'm sure there's all kinds of stuff that you can jump into but it's always fascinating the my little pony thing because there have been numerous documentaries about the bronies themselves so naturally splitting into their own uh splinter groups and creating uh, their own ideology or mythology surrounding it and trying to make this all fit. I find this to be fascinating and I find it to be uh, a question that probably a lot of organizers for these conventions are going to have to face seriously uh, going forward. Do you really create the space for this kind of stuff to be put out there and then allow a, a meeting to happen at your convention under your umbrella? Because in essence, you're kind of saying, Yes, I approve this happening. And so you're only you're kind of tacitly or indirectly approving the message. And that could be dangerous because that is so far away from the actual message of My Little Pony. It is, yes, about accepting other people, but it's about accepting other people who are also open and progressive of, of accepting other people, not judgmental of other people, I think. Shannon? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I'm I'm probably just gonna echo John's thoughts that mm. uh liking something or being such a big fan of something that is about acceptance and then sort of embracing this ideology 
that runs contradictory to the thing that you are a fan of, um, it's it's very surprising. And I mean, to John's point, like I, I don't go to 4chan. I, I don't I don't yeah. go to that corner of the internet. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm picturing you in your uh, power suit just wandering around the dangerous park. Yeah, the right. <laughs> oh, what's around, oh, what's around this corner? Oh, corn, no. I shouldn't have like, brought, I shouldn't have brought the heavy briefcase. <laughs> um, like looking but, left to right. But knowing the popularity that DC and Marvel and Star Wars has, and that I, I think you would agree, Mike, that it, it probably is more popular than My Little Pony, mm. um, that the sort of darker corners of that fandom, which we have seen, but I don't think we've seen it on the level that that article that I read described, yeah. at least, at least yeah, to my I, knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think what it, oh, Vincent, thank you. We respect you too. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that, uh, and by the way, I respect everybody who has different opinions than me because I love debating. Uh, no, I think you're right. And I think what this really boils down to though, and I think this is what uh, white nationalists particularly do, not just in fandoms, but do in real life. And I think Pony uh, and the way the Pony fandom handles this is a is hopefully going to be a good example because uh, as I tweeted when this article came out, uh, it's a quote, I mean, a lot of people have heard this, but Unlimited tolerance must lead to the disappearance of tolerance. If we extend unlimited tolerance, even to those who are intolerant, yeah. uh, we are not prepared to defend a tolerant society against the onslaught of intolerance. Uh, and that really is what it boils down to. It's the idea that like, as much as white nationalists uh, will always try and like gaslight you yeah. and twist this thing around to say, well, if you're really going to respect everyone's opinions, you have to respect mine too. And therefore I have to have this platform. Yeah. If your platform is inherently about intolerance, if your platform is inherently about uh, taking away the rights of other people, belittling other people, uh, telling other people that they are less than you for X, Y, or Z, then yeah. you don't really have a place. Uh, you have the right to say whatever you want, but no fandom, no group, no anybody has to keep you around to say it. Yeah. And I think that with everything that's been happening in the past several weeks, um, I think it's like, this is high time that everybody needs to check themselves. You check yourself personally, you check your social group that you hang out with, and you check your fandoms that you're a part of. And you say, look, if we love a show that is inherently about acceptance, that is inherently about the best of us, then it's time to tell the worst of us just to get the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing at the end of the day, and we're seeing it now more and more. I mean, uh, white nationalists gaslight for their own giddy pleasure and smirking pleasure. They don't legitimately care about the philosophical point of view of what you're coming from. They just want to make you look bad. There's no actual uh, e uh, philosophical discussion happening here with which they're willing to be open-minded about hearing the other side and maybe exploring that and changing their point of view. It never, ever ends up like that. It is always about destroying this thing and supposedly undercutting it by showing hey see they don't accept us they don't accept us i mean the nazis could have walked into every group and been like you know hey let us be a part of this and people say oh no we don't want you to be part of it because we're, oh see they're intolerant of us it's the most it's the stupidest argument in the world it just frustrates the living hell out of me because right i think that's a great quote you bring up mike intolerance of intolerance is not by its very nature intolerance it's it is actually trying to excise a evil part of your society that should not be there we all function better accepting each other who accept each other that's how you move forward as a society 
hand in hand. It is not holding the hand of someone who wants to kill you at the first moment or wants your race eradicated from the earth or your gender eradicated from yeah. the earth. It is not about that. And so that's those things have to change. And My Little Pony does not teach that in any way, shape, or form. Listen. They teach that friendship is, you know, of course, Mike, I'm sorry. That I don't mean to speak about you, your, your show. I can, tell, I can tell you that Twilight Sparkle, Rainbow Dash, Rarity, Fluttershy, Pinkie Pie, Applejack, Starlight Glimmer, and Spike and the rest of them all want your white supremacist, white nationalist, Nazi asses to get out of Equestria. <laughs> so as all geeks could say, when it yeah. comes to any like white supremacy, white nationalism or Nazis, which it's amazing that it's 2020 and we're talking about Nazis. We yeah. can all go full Indiana Jones and punch them in the face. That right. is my feelings on that. Right. It's a new thing for me. I'm not, I'm not going to punch them. I don't want to get hurt, but that's why I'm friends with John because he will punch them for me. He's stronger. Well, as I get older, you know, jail time gets a little weirder for me. So maybe not anymore, not anymore. But when I was younger, sure. But at this age, not so much, not so much. Certainly just walk away. I jail prefer to walk away and laugh at them. I prefer jail, jail time gets more realistic. Bones break easier. <laughs> yeah, bones break easier. Uh, <laughs> I like this. I like this. Uh, I Like I said, Michael Vogel, POTUS. 2021 who wants to tell ethan that the election is in 2020 i don't i i appreciate his enthusiasm yeah. listen <laughs> nobody knows nobody knows what the rest of this year is going to be like ethan might know something we don't that's a fair point that's a fair point all bets are off <laughs> sheridan says i want this episode of my little pony yeah right hey actually uh, if you want if you want to see the my little pony episodes on racism watch the two-part season eight premiere we cover racism. <laughs> I love it. Boy, do we cover racism on My Little Pony coming up tonight. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a fair point. I will absolutely punch a Nazi out of a saloon. Absolutely. What's a Nazi doing in a saloon? Talk about anachronistic. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Do we have any more? Do we have any Streamlabs or Super Chats? No, just the Super Chats. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, please send in your Streamlabs. Send in your Super Chats. Show some support for the show. If you can't do that, I know money's tight all around for a lot of us, but maybe you can give us a like we're at 95 you are watching us live but only 44 likes so can if you are watching us now live Guys. swing that swing that mouse button over hit the thumbs hit up button. button on the video yeah come on yep and if you're watching us after we've recorded this live leave a comment down below and hit like the more comments you leave the more likes you leave we move higher up in the algorithm of youtube and this show gets noticed and this channel the outlaw nation channel gets noticed as well um all right are we good oh should we move on to our next thing all right, yeah, let's move yeah. on to our next thing, and that is uh, the. Oh, our next thing is sad. Yeah, it is. It's the unfortunate passing of uh, Joel Schumacher, uh, a noted director for a number of years here in our business. Certainly, from way back when in the seventies, he was a costume designer for a number of TV shows and movies. Then moved into script writing. He actually wrote The Wiz. That's right, The Wizard of Oz, uh, all black version of The Wizard of Oz. The Wiz. Joel Schumacher wrote that. He also directed a number of films during his time here uh, on planet earth as a director i mean we're talking dc cab the incredible shrinking woman michael fox will be happy that we mentioned that the lost boy saint elmo's fire flatliners dying young which i know is a closet favorite of a lot of uh, uh, people who enjoy romantic weird comedies falling no not comedies i guess falling down which is the michael douglas tour de force a time to kill um a flawless eight millimeter tigerland foam booth bad company Veronica Guerin, The Phantom of the Opera, which cost me a Schmodown match. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, and of course, and some episode of House as episodes of House of Cards. But of course, he also directed Batman Forever and Batman Returns. So uh, that's what a lot of people mention. Oh, 
Batman and Robin. Not I'm Batman sorry, Batman and Robin. Sorry, Batman and Robin. Right, not Batman. That's Tim Robbins. Tim uh, Tim uh, Burton. But anyway, the, the, so many great, great films on his resume. And yeah, a few misses. But overall, I think just to just to compartmentalize this man who died at 80 from complications from cancer to just. Uh, the Batman films is doing him a disservice. Certainly an incredible utility player director who was able to succeed in multiple genres and leave a legacy with a number of films that when you hear the title of the film, you go, oh yeah, I did like that one. Or, oh yeah, that's a fun one. You know, two Grisham films, The Client Did Well, A Time to Kill. You had one of the greatest Sam Jackson performances ever, you know? Hell yeah, and I hope they burn in hell. You know, it's great stuff. Tigerland really brought him back and introduced Colin Farrell into our conversation. Um, uh, you know, you look at DC Cab with Mr. T, that's some funny stuff. Lily Tomlin with the incredible shrinking woman, then Flatliners. Certainly, a lot of people enjoyed that original Flatliners movie with Kiefer Sutherland. People love that phone booth movie. So, so many different places. And of course, uh, uh, I thought the film with uh, uh, Robert De Niro and Philip Seymour Hoffman was an interesting Wallace. film. Yeah, flawless, flawless, right? It, yeah, I mean, it had its it had a little bit of issues with it, but overall, two fantastic performances. So, what do you what do you guys uh, remember about Joel Schumacher? What's your feeling about him when when people mention him and now that he's passed? I mean, uh, go ahead, Mike. No, no. Well, I was going to say I was going to echo what you said, which I do think it's a shame that uh, Joel Schumacher dies and everybody just uh, goes straight to the 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 two least good Batman movies, mm. um, and uh, and you know that his legacy is sort of uh just winnowed down to nipples on the bat suit um yeah because yeah. like look and i will say like in retrospect looking back in the big history of batman like he was trying to go back to that 60s campy vibe like he had a vision it was just not necessarily the vision that everybody else wanted but to your point i mean when you really look at his body of work like i mean lost boys to me uh is like a movie of my childhood flatliners wow. scared the crap out of me Flawless, as someone who was actually right at that point where they were coming out of the closet, was actually a really important movie to me. Yeah. Um, a Time to Kill I really loved, but I think in retrospect is probably a little bit more problematic than I remember mm. uh, as far as as far as what it was about. But, uh, but I mean, just, yeah, so I think that he was a really versatile director. He did a lot of really, really different things, and, yeah. uh, and he did a lot of things that were better uh, – than the bats yeah okay <laughs> Shannon? yeah i i would i would echo both of your sentiments i mean pre-batman i mean joel schumacher he was he was a very hot director and even after batman forever batman forever was a very successful film and the reason that that movie came about is because the studio did not want more of Batman Returns. Like this is, you know, uh, the the some of their uh, tie-in partners got upset about it. Like this is this is too risque. This is supposed right. to be for kids. I mean, Joel Schumacher did what the studio wanted, and because right. Batman Forever was successful, that's why we got more of that mm -hmm. with Batman and Robin. Yeah. Now, go to what Mike said. I mean, Lost Boys and Flatliners. Like those are those are movies of my youth. I watched Lost Boys fairly recently and I'm like this is this is a great entertaining movie there's a reason that they're constantly trying to reboot it or yeah. constantly trying to do a tv adaptation it's because that story still resonates and phone booth that was a great idea that never really it just didn't get it wasn't in the oven long enough. Like yeah. it needed, yeah. it needed a little bit more development. I think I, the, the biggest thing that drove me nuts is when Colin Farrell was on the phone 
with Kiefer Sutherland, Kiefer Sutherland doesn't sound like he's on the other end of a phone. He sounds like yeah. he's right next to you, which that yeah, obviously that was a choice. It was a choice I didn't agree with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I watched Shit. I, <laughs> Shannon McClellan's going, I've been on a phone before. <laughs> I know what this sounds like. He's like reviewing the movie. We're talking about the man. <laughs> Even with the best signal, it doesn't sound like that. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Joel Schumacher made some really great movies. And even looking at the two, the two, <laughs> the two Batman movies, yes, these are silly. Yes, these are these did kind of take it down. But you know what? He he owned up to it. He and George Clooney, when it wasn't entirely their fault. Yeah. I mean, most most filmmakers would not do that. And so I think it probably speaks to his character that he's like, guys, I was the director. My fault. Sorry. Well, and another remember. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. No, as I said, do you remember speaking of Batman the Animated Series, Johnny brought it up earlier. Uh, there's that one episode of Batman the Animated Series where uh, it's a bunch of kids telling their version of what they think Batman is like. Oh, and then yeah. it cuts to like these different animated styles. And they do a little bit of like a Dark Knight Returns thing. They do a little bit more of a supernatural thing. But there in that episode, in that episode, there's this one kid and he's like wearing a feather boa. And he's <laughs> like, I think... I think that the Batmobile can climb up walls and it's really bright and they wear these cool outfits and they're like, Joel, you're crazy. <laughs> it's always one of my favorite, uh, it's always one of my favorite little beats there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, another, that's a thing to bring up. Joel was openly gay, uh, had no problem with it. He is trailblazing in that way as a director, just absolutely. And one of the nicest, apparently from so many things I've read in preparation for the show, one of the nicest guys ever behind the scenes, really supportive and helpful of other people's careers, really prided himself on finding new actors to highlight in his movies and happy that they went on to stardom. Um, I've, uh, let me bring up this gentleman's name here, uh, Jeremy Garlick. You should read his uh, account of working with uh, Joel Schumacher as his assistant for five years, starting with Tigerland and going forward over the next five years and how Joel was always so supportive and helpful to him, hosted his wedding party after he had left Joel to go on to be a writer and director himself so many great stories you hear and the new york times did a fantastic article as well about hey don't forget that joel schumacher saved batman after batman returns because batman returns came out and did not make as much as the first movie was kind of derided by critics and parents as being too dark so the studio was already apparently behind the scenes talking about removing tim burton and bringing in another director to kind of have a batman light point of view so they got joel schumacher who is a noted costume designer who started in costume designing uh and so he came in and put a little more flair into the world did he go too far batman or robin yes i think universal Conversely, we all feel that way, but there are people who still love Batman forever and cite it as one of their favorite films. But once again, if you go down and look at the entire resume of Joel Schumacher to limit him to just those two Batman films is really doing the man a disservice. Uh, Veronica Garrett. Uh, Veronica Garrett is another one we haven't mentioned as well. If, if that's a damn good movie with Kate Blanchett. Yeah. As a Somebody reporter. brought it up in the chats. Yeah. Right, yeah. As a reporter who walks into an, uh, the Irish uh, the, in the middle of the troubles and, of course, is uh, murdered for it. And so he, she does a, a damn good performance in that. So clearly you could almost rarely argue that he didn't get good performances from his actors in his movies, depending on the genre, but he almost always succeeded uh, uh, throughout his career. And it's a hell of a legacy to leave because he didn't start directing films to his mid forties. So to be able to do yeah. that for so long deserves an incredible amount of credit. And yes, the nipples on the bad suit, fine, fine. But that's once again, it's way too, uh, uh, it's way too limiting of a judgment on a director with such an incredible resume uh, who has entertained us for decades, I would think. Listen, I've got nipples, John. 
Can you milk me? <laughs> like the cat? Jinxing. Uh, looks like Johnny. Johnny yeah. looks like you're getting some uh, some some uh, some Liverpool comments here from oh, yeah. uh, all the way from London, all the way from London. <laughs> nice, I love it. Let, let's bring in some comments real quick here. Uh, Travis Earl with a sweet uh, dedication here. Good night, sweet prince. Lost Boys is classic. Agreed. Uh, Sarah Copperthwaite, our friend, reminding us that we honored him at the 2011 uh, Costume Designer Guild Awards with a Distinguished Collaborator Award. He was amazing. There you go, our friend Sarah, uh, who produces those CDGAs, I think. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, I whiz all the time, says Reginald Brown. I'm sure you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, is, that, is a, that is a Shannon level. That is a Shannon level joke. <laughs> you mean on. good? You mean good? <laughs> Got to ease on down the road. Ethan Murphy says 2020, 2021. 20, there you go. He's giving you a lot of years. A By lot way, of years. Listen, Ethan is my campaign manager. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, it's just, we've been talking about this. He's my campaign manager. We're working, big announcements coming. Uh, we're going to make America um, gay again. better. Okay, better, better again. Oh, I like it. Better. I'm just gonna make America better. That's uh, my platform. <laughs> Daniel Davis says, I'll say it publicly. Batman Forever is my favorite live action Batman movie. Good balance of camp Ooh. and dark. It's a fun watch. Well, you know, he's a, he's entitled to his opinion. I respect it. Uh, hey, our own Gabe is in here. Shannon with the suit. JG giving us some love watching this live and giving you a compliment there. Yeah, uh, calm down. Uh, Rich uh, agrees with me. Veronica Guerin is a great Kate Blanchett drama, of course. Uh, I agree with that one. Let's see here. Uh, time to kill. Power still powerful, still relevant, especially now. Unfortunately, true, very, very true. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I agree as well. F cancer. Um, Seriously, F cancer. The Joel Schumacher commentary for Batman and Robin is great. It's just him venting. Oh, damn. See, now I might want to buy the disc just to listen to him vent the whole time. That could I. Be I actually would be super curious. I would actually watch that movie again just yeah. to hear him venting in the commentary for sure. I'll tell you one thing, Mike. I've never finished it. I've still never really? finished. I've dipped. I tried to watch it when we got uh, uh, HBO Max. I, tr I, dude, I gave it fifteen minutes. I'm like, I, I just can't. It's so bad. I just can't. <laughs> Philippi was like, great to be live from London with our geek buddies. Yes, even if John is rubbing the Liverpool Liverpool win title in my face. That's right. That's right. Rep, 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 rep. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Lisa Mortini says hello from sweltering London. Yes, I hear it's eighty degrees. In London, crazy stuff. Are oh, you guys know Lisa? Is Lisa uh, does Lisa work with you guys? No, we're just saying hello. A fan? Oh, I, don't, I, don't know. I like I listen. Know. I like waving. I like waving at people, man. <laughs> uh, Shannon looks like a journalist who just had a few drinks with a source. I love it. <laughs> how, how did he know? <laughs> You Don Draper this shit. David Kronick, Liverpool FC has won the league. Yes, I'm from Liverpool. Congratulations, David. Congratulations <laughs> to us. For 30 years, I've been waiting. Uh, there it is. Liverpool people are in the chat room. I love the Beatles, says Reginald. That's great. <laughs> Jesus. Reginald, you know, you don't, if you don't put everything in all caps, people will still be able to read what you're right. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, let's see. And David also said, oh, I also love the Beatles. What a surprise. Uh, anyway, and then got to sell those toys. I think that's a fair point from DGMC. Uh, he yeah. was basically assigned to do that. He did his job uh, and then moved on to do other uh, material. It was damn good. Although I will say it's amazing, like when you were saying before, uh, yeah. on the toys comment, when you think about the fact that when Batman Returns came out, it was seen as too dark and edgy. And when you go back and watch it now, it is ridiculously cheesy. Yes. Still dark in its ways, but it's just so cheesy. And you look at like where we've come with like the Marvel movies, where yeah. you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is, I think we would all agree, 
uh, movies that we all love that have their really serious moments, emotional highs, emotional lows, but also do a good job of selling toys and moving merchandise. And I think that it's that, that's like that balance. And I think, you know, to Tim Burton's credit and Joel Schumacher's credit, that was in an era where people were still figuring out this superhero thing. And I think you can look at both of them as two extremes yeah. uh, and where we've come to in the ensuing however many years really kind of sums up the journey of the superhero genre as a whole. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's the Batman forever made a lot more money than Batman returns and to the bean counters like, Oh, they want more of that. Do yeah. more of that. Yeah. The yeah. bean counters. Get out of here. What are you? That's what, that's what that's what we used to say in the 40s. The Jesus. bean counters. Flash. Mr. Oh. Miss America. All ships at sea. Put your Schumacher. suit on and go to the go to the talkies. See that new hero in the serialized pictures. <laughs> the flicker show. All right. All Batman right. Batman with nipples. Wow. Do us next. Uh, here, a leech donated some money. He said, Hey, Roka, Liverpool champions of England. Hell yeah, you never walk alone. Klopp crying on Sky Sports News, King Kenny showing emotion to get to get in. Yeah, I am absolutely going to watch all of that once we're done with the show. Uh, so I'm excited, uh, excited. Walk on, walk on with hope in your heart. Absolutely, this is, uh, man. Absolutely, this is really exciting for me. This is the most sports that I've uh been chatting yeah. about in my life i think look if we can talk about your presidency i'm sure we can talk about sports for a couple <laughs> seconds there uh anyway uh, let's uh, let's take a quick break uh, remember guys the stream labs and the super chats are open please send in some support for the show uh keep the lights on here at the outlaw nation channel show some support for mike and uh, shannon uh this is their first ever live show so we're having a great time uh and uh you know we'll talk about all kinds of things and then after the break here we're going to take a break for about five seconds we're going to jump into our main topic, and that is Michael Keaton coming back to be Batman and what it means overall for where the DCEU is going or the DCU is going, whatever they're calling it this week, uh, they're over at Warner Brothers. All right, let's take a quick little break, uh, and we'll be right back uh, with all of that after this. There it is. And we're back. That's right. We do that little break there for uh, for our, uh, our podcast listeners because we usually put in our advertising during that little bit of a mini break and now we're back so uh welcome back to the show to those of you who listen on podcast and those of you you who are watching us live or or live or those of you who are watching us later uh in the recorded form that it will be uh uh ethan murphy giving us some love saying great job so thank you so much uh all right let's move on to our main topic who wants to take this one who wants to take this one what's the say what's the say go for it mikey i mean yeah take it mikey Michael Keaton, Batman. Uh, Gosh, it was announced this week. America. Yeah, guys, it was announced this week that uh, Michael Keaton is in talks to reprise his role as uh, the Dark Knight mm. in the upcoming Flash movie. Uh, which is uh, is it is it officially entitled Flashpoint or is know. it just rumored that that's I, what I they keep saying in the trades? Flashpoint. So I don't know. Uh, so this is huge news, uh, obviously. Uh, there's been a lot of questions about the DC Universe in general. We've talked a ton about where the DC Universe is going. Uh, we've talked a lot about what they are going to do uh, as far as Batman goes. Bat- ben Affleck, the Batfleck, seems to no longer be a part of that universe or yep. wanting to be a part of that universe. And even though the upcoming The Batman films with Robert Pattinson are coming out, it's been stated very clearly that that is not a part of the bigger DC Universe as we know it, uh, mm-hmm. as it's as it's lived, as it's existed thus far. Right. Uh, so with this Flash movie, based on the comic Flashpoint, apparently, um, it, it seems that they may be Michael, bringing Michael Keaton back as Batman, 
Um, and the way that it's been described or rumored is that he might be someone who shows up in multiple DC movies in a role that is similar to Sam Jackson playing Nick Fury in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Uh, and if really quickly, just like like really quickly, Cliff's Notes, for those of you that don't know, what the Flashpoint comic is about is the Flash getting sent into uh, an alternative timeline where little tweaks were made that made all of the superheroes uh, – basically go down different, less heroic roads. So yeah. Flash comes to this world where everything is kind of fucked up. It's really, really bad. And ultimately Flash ends up inspiring these heroes to greatness. But the key relationship in that is that Flash meets an alternative world Batman that is actually Thomas Wayne instead of Bruce Wayne. That in this world, Bruce was the one who got shot in the alley. Uh, it made Martha Wayne so upset that she became that universe's Joker and Thomas Wayne turned to becoming a much darker Batman who was not afraid to use violence. Yeah. And the Flash actually inspires him and it's a beautiful story. Now, what it seems like here is they're saying very clearly thus far that Michael Keaton is reprising his role as Batman. Right. So what it seems like it may be is it might be closer to an Into the Spider-Verse thing or even a Batman Beyond thing from the animated series, where this is an alternate world where Batman has grown up and become much older, perhaps still disillusioned, perhaps no longer feeling like he's the hero that he was, but right. somehow Flash and this story kind of brings him back to what he is, and he potentially may even come back into this universe and become an older Batman for this universe. And uh, as far as what they could possibly do, as far as bringing in a Batman to replace uh, ben Affleck and what they want to do with it. This seems like a pretty bold option. Uh, yeah. So I think that sums up sort of what the news is. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I couldn't have been more shocked when I saw this. You know, I mean, listen, I, I'll equate it to professional wrestling. I mean, when when a wrestler leaves and burns every damn bridge like the Ultimate Warrior did in the dub for the WWE, when he showed back up in the WWE, it shocked my mind. So with this situation, it's very, very similar because Michael Keaton, in the, when he walked away, he walked away because he was burnt out. He didn't want to do it anymore. He, I, I'm an actor. I need to find roles that really challenge me and not be slave to a franchise. Well, eventually, his movies start going straight to DVD, and that makes you start to question where you're at as an actor. Then he's reborn, thanks to Birdman and then a number of other great, the founders, some great performances, the paper, no, not the paper, the paper's did it before, but the other one, Spotlight, some great performances from him. Spider-Man Homecoming? Him back. Spider-Man Homecoming, yes. Bring him back into our pop culture mainstream, and we are learn to reappreciate him again. And so the fact that he was is willing to do this, and the studio is willing to do this, I could even make another comparison, and that's Shatner with Star Trek. When Shatner, in the mid-'80s or whatever it's done, like when it was done... He did, or when he was done with the series, he did not want to do the conventions. He didn't want to go be a part of any of this stuff. He didn't want to be typecast as Captain Kirk. He wanted to establish himself as an actor because he had come out of some very some good acting schools. He had pedigree. He'd been in some interesting movies. Then to get typecast as, as James T. Kirk, he did not want to be his that to be his only legacy. So he went out and tried stuff. Then he do T.J. Hooker. You do other stuff. All of a sudden, you know, you start to come back and do these movies. And then he starts showing up at conventions. And now he embraces Star Trek very powerfully. Same thing with Nimoy and Spock. He is now, you know, he did it before he passed away. Re-embraced Spock very powerfully. So this happens, you know, you get older, you start to put away some of those issues you had with something, some things you did in the past. And, and, you know, you're more open to, to building the bridges back that maybe might've been burnt. So I'm just completely shocked. I want to see a game plan though here, because don't piss this away. Don't fumble this ball. 
it's such a important thing to bring him back because people revere him still as Batman, as Bruce Wayne. If you make him like the Kingdom Come Bruce Wayne, where he's in the suit and he never puts on the cowl, he's just in this pseudo suit and he's helping everything happen with the gray hair, then I'm absolutely down with that. Um, or even the Terry McGinnis uh, Batman, uh, uh, whatever it is, uh, route, uh, Batman Beyond route. I'm I'm absolutely down with that. But please don't mess this up. That those are my overall thoughts, Shan. Yeah, I think ever since Batman Beyond came out and the comic book movie had its resurgence, fans have been waiting for Michael Keaton to be old enough to play an older Bruce Wayne mm. to cast like a young Terry McGinnis. Yeah. Now, now who knows? how this is going to apply to to the dc universe right now if this if the snyder cut is a big hit i know they've kind of said already like this is not going to affect the future of where the franchise is going if it's a big hit you can't yeah exactly you can't really deny it um the idea that michael keaton as an older batman who becomes sort of a mentor to these mm -hmm. to these younger heroes i think that is such a cool idea now some yeah. people have posited like could he be playing Thomas Wayne? I personally don't think that. I don't think yeah. you bring him back to have him play essentially a different character. Right. Um, you know, you want to see him as Bruce Wayne. And Michael Keaton also left because Batman started to become not as much of a priority as the villains. Like those, those Batman movies That's started, point. To, they always focused on the villains and yeah. looking at what, the MCU has done what DC has done to a lesser extent is they're really focusing on the heroes. Like the yeah. villains are obviously a very, very important part, but the heroes are what the story is. Yeah. So if they can pull this off, this could be one of the coolest geek things to ever happen. And to get, <laughs> to get an audience excited for a flash movie that stars a guy who may, may have committed assault <laughs> a right. few months ago, right. this is the way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, really quick in the chats, uh, Lisa from London brought up a good point. Uh, yep. If you're interested in Flashpoint, uh, aside from reading the comic, the DC animated movie that came out uh, on Flashpoint actually is a really, really decent adaptation, and it kind of gives good. you the highlights of what the Flashpoint story is. So yeah. highly recommend checking that out uh, if you haven't seen it. Yeah, um, yeah look, I think that 100%, like, I think that overnight interest in this flash movie went from sort of eh to yeah. holy shit when is this coming out and i'll say even for me like everybody who is a regular listener to geek buddies knows that i am the first person to be like full eye roll to dc's decisions to do different things because i really am craving them to, to make a big move this is a big move that i get super excited about mm -hmm. and the story potentials for it i happen to agree with shannon like when they said michael keaton and, uh, and uh, flashpoint my first thought was thomas wayne but mm -hmm. my second thought instantaneously was that doesn't make sense the idea and like look we've seen this with marvel i mean marvel wasn't uh uh beat for beat with Civil, Civil War, War. Yes. Or, or Winter Soldier or any of the stories. They take stories from the comics and they take elements of that. Yeah. And the idea of what, what Flashpoint is at its core level yeah. is Flash inspiring heroes who have uh, gone down a different road aren't as heroic. And I think this idea of a Michael Keaton who's older, it's like it's blending a little bit of Kingdom Come, a little bit yeah. of Batman Beyond, a little bit of Flashpoint. Uh, and bringing that character in. And as a lot of people are saying in the chats and a lot of people are saying online, yeah. that also opens up other characters from Tim Burton's movies 
coming in as well. Michelle Pfeiffer has already been rumored. People are yeah. already like craving to see an older Michelle Pfeiffer play an older Selena Kyle. Yeah. And of course, then there's like the Jack Nicholson of it all. Um, and so the, the, the potential here to overlap worlds in a way that allows you to take the best of all the things that DC has done yeah. uh, and bring them into one universe could be a shit show of absolutely epic proportions. But if it works, they have actually successfully done the thing that nobody thought they could do, which is catch up rapidly to the Marvel universe in a way that people would go apeshit for. And, so and, like, yeah. no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I'm saying, and essentially, if you go multidimensional, you go multi um, timeline, you go the multiverse or crisis on infinite earths or whatever, then you've created yourself an opportunity to have all the Batmans involved, all the jokers involved, all the different characters involved that you can play with. And yes, I, I tweet, I tweeted this and I texted you guys first. Uh, okay. I, I texted yeah. you guys first, uh, Jack Nicholson. I'd love to have Jack come back just for one scene. Look, he hasn't acted in 10 years. He's retired. But one scene, that scene out of Dark Knight Returns, where he just see, maybe he just he's sitting in that Arkham Asylum. He hasn't moved in 10, 20 years, 30 years. Then he looks over and he sees Michael Keaton as Batman back in some interview or sees Bruce Wayne there. And all of a sudden, the smile creeps back onto his face. That's all you'd need to see. People would orgasm all over themselves in the theater just from one scene. And remember on the CW crossover in Infinite Earths, there is that uh, newspaper headline that says, you know, Bruce Wayne to marry Selena Kyle. So in that and it's Michael Keaton. So in that universe, Michael Keaton has married Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, so don't, that would be possible as well. I would just say, don't say all jokers. Somewhere right now, Jared Leto just perked up and got really excited. And you're just oh, going to disappoint him. You're just going to disappoint the man. No. You're just going to disappoint him. I'm waiting for that air um, cut. We see a better version of that joker. We'll see. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, uh, no, I mean, I'm just like, I'm super jazzed about this. And I think that the wait, idea. Wait, Mike, wait. Do we bring Schwarzenegger back? Do we bring Mr. Freeze back? Does that because we, we stop that? that, that, that. I just want to make sure. Oh God! Oh, do we bring just... <laughs> 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 Oh um, But no, I think I think you're right, and I think I think that like the, I, I think we can't. And you know, Johnny, oh. you brought it up before uh, yeah. when we were talking animated movies. But I think what's super crazy about where we live right now is. Uh, as far as like the movies and, and and what the general audience is ready to accept yeah. is that I think without into the spider verse, I don't think DC ever makes this decision. Like I think the oh, concept yeah. of yes. alternate timelines, alternate dimensions, the whole, I think that you pitch that to people and there are a bunch of studio studio executives that would go, the regular audiences in middle America who don't yeah. read comic books are not going to accept that. They're not going to get it. They're not going to go for it. But Into the Spider-Verse was so ridiculously successful right. and made the idea of alternate realities such a normal thing that then that happened, CW went right into crisis and yeah. did their whole story of all the alternate. So like the audience in general is actually really open to this idea. So mm -hmm. now the idea of just pulling Michael Keaton forward from the 80s and saying, hey, you're our guy and having him come into this world that if you play it right, yeah. the DC universe, as we all discussed, is kind of fractured. Yeah. And having an yeah. older, having an older Batman come in and go, wow, 
this is a mess. Yeah. Let's get this shit organized. <laughs> like that's fucking awesome. Like that's great storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I just had a thought of that with Batfleck. They're like, let's try older Batman. All right. That didn't work. Let's try oldest Batman. <laughs> that's the solution. <laughs> Boom. Nailed it. Um, I like this from David Kronick. He says, bring back Val Kilmer. Now we know Val Kilmer has the throat surgery and throat cancer. So he could fit. I mean, he could wear that Kingdom Come suit in a separate storyline where you'd have Kilmer as that Bruce Wayne, as that Batman. So not necessarily Michael Keaton playing that section of it. It could be Kilmer just for a few, like a scene or two. I mean, it's interesting. I'm just picturing the movie where like Ezra Miller and Michael Keaton are acting and Ezra Miller all of a sudden is like, oh, you mean we can go into all these realities and get all these characters? And he starts going and then Michael Keaton, like the Val Kilmer door is right there and Keaton's like, not that one. I know. I think it's the Clooney door that he doesn't know. Don't go, go in that one. Clooney door. Because you can only get in that one with a black American Express card. So we're not going in that one. The black, uh, <laughs> a black back card, whatever that was. So, uh, you know. But somebody brought up Jim Carrey's Riddler. You could you could argue Carrey coming back to play the Riddler, an older Jim Carrey. In, in Kingdom Come, Edward Nigma is part of that group of people. Selena's so, protecting him. So it's possible. So I... So now putting on executive hat for a minute. Oh, of course. Uh, yes, yes. Just, no, because, well, because I think this is one of those moments where the geek excitement of something like just gets so overwhelming that the shiny object is the old Batman movies right, coming right. into the modern day. And the shiny object is let's bring back like Jim Carrey could do it like da, da, da. And I think that this is one of those things where less is more. So I think yeah. that the reality is as cool as some of these ideas and, and as horrifying as some of these ideas are, yeah. uh, the, the, the reality is what you would be bringing Michael Keaton forward for is to fix what you've got and make that cool. So yeah. the idea of bringing in as few people as possible uh, and then throwing some really good references in there, you know, like like if you if you were to have like a modern day penguin and Michael Keaton says something about like, wow, you're way less like, disgusting than the penguin that I, you know, like <laughs> you can have some good in jokes in there. But I think the goal is to bring some of the classic stuff forward to actually fix what you've got and like elevate that and make it better. Although I do agree that Billy D is too faced. By the way, everything I said, forget it. Forget everything I said because Billy D is too faced. It would be fun, man. Is it? I mean, it, it, but you're right, Mike. I mean, it's like this is all. Let's focus on the main thing, which is making sure the Michael Keaton return works. Then we'll worry about if it's possible writing in like everybody else past Pfeiffer. I think Pfeiffer and Nicholson are people you do want to go after possibly and get them into your movie. After that, it becomes, uh, do we, should we? And that's a separate yeah. conversation, I think. Uh, but turning, I mean, but is, is he putting together, is, is this their backdoor way, uh, Mike and Shannon, of creating another Justice League where Batman is the one or Bruce Wayne is the one putting them all together? And a second part of the question, do you think Ezra Miller stars in this movie after that video of him choking that girl? That's, I mean, I know, I think the girl took down her, her the tweet and took down her, her, her account I don't know what happened here. We don't know. But WB never issued a statement. Uh, Ezra Miller's people never issued a statement. So that, I think, has to be resolved at some point before we go forward. So answering both those questions, gentlemen. Um, well, one, who, whose plumber is is at work right oh, now? Oh, sorry, guys. That's the, they're, they're, <laughs> they're retrofitting for earthquake stuff here at our apartment. So uh, or They only place. do it when we're recording. Which I is know. Hilarious. They hadn't done it for two months, and then all of a sudden, you're back. So, yeah. um, but one, yeah, I, I do think that's an interesting idea that that Michael Keaton could be the impetus for 
for a new Justice League. How that works out with a multiverse, do you bring in Gal? Do you bring in Momoa? Do you bring in Henry Cavill? Right. It's, it seems like a, like a complicated uh, challenge, but one that I imagine, especially now, again, post Spider-Verse, where yeah. the audience is accepting of like multiverse uh, situations. I, I do think that's possible. Yeah. Second with Ezra, I mean, I kind of feel like if they were going to let go of him, that it would have happened. Yeah. Um, so it, maybe it, there's more to this than we think from that video, do you think? I mean, I, I, I can't say. I mean, it looked, I, I don't I don't know what situation is okay for someone to grab someone else no, by the throat. There like have that. been people who are claiming that it was a staged thing that he didn't know about. So I don't know. So that's what people are claiming. I'm not saying, I'm not giving any credibility to that. I'm just saying there have been people who are saying that it was staged and the fact that this person took down their account, took down the video, uh, kind of uh, reinforces their point of view that it was staged to hurt Ezra or to take advantage of a situation with a celebrity who had been drinking. Right. I don't know, but what, I agree what, with you. You never put your hands on a woman's I, throat and do those what, things. So yeah. what, what I will say is this, when you're dealing with a story that has alternate timelines, is Ezra Miller absolutely pertinent to it? No. Right. Like you, you could have another flash come from another, from another universe, but that's my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I think the fact that they've said nothing about it so far speaks yeah. to the fact that whether it's right or not, I'm not weighing in on the on the uh, the morality of this, but right. if it they've said nothing, and it, that leads me to believe that this is a we're just gonna sit on this and let it go away mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. I could be wrong, but that seems like the way they're going. Whether that's right or wrong. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I think that the the big question is: we all know in real life that Ben Affleck is not interested, but from a DC uh, universe timeline, yeah, Justice League, like he was there, like he did a thing. So it'll be curious to see the way they try and use this movie to sync some things up. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that'll be really, really interesting to see. Uh, you know, kind of. I think that the closest thing that I can think of that probably can get us there is kind of like the way that Days of Future Past ends. Yeah. This oh, idea yeah. that that there's that there's a bunch of timeline shenanigans and stuff going on, and then you right. can get to an end where you know, had they chosen to, uh, they could have just gone forward with that yeah. new team of people who had died, people who were gone, and brought them all back together, and we yeah. could have gone and seen a bunch of X Men movies with that. So I think that this is what they're doing: is that whatever recasting they're going to do whatever uh, pieces of the universe they want to have together, they don't want to have together, whatever it is, that they're going to use this movie as an opportunity to sort of wipe the slate clean and say to audiences at large, hey, we get it. Yeah. This is what's happening now. Yeah, fair point. Uh, DGMC says uh, MCU is hibernating. Now is the time for DC to strike. Yeah, I mean, I guess, because they're having to delay all those movies, they're kind of consuming... Uh, the news over the last few weeks. So why not with this as well with Michael Keaton? Um, also, does DCEU explain Batfleck died slash retired off screen? Good question. What do we do with Batfleck? I mean, you I, know, I, if I, I... Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I was going to no, say, I, I think... <laughs> no, 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 no. Go ahead. I love it. I think you could do that. I think you could say that this Batman... And like, if you're using Ezra, you can say that this Batman retired, this Batman died, whatever. And then he goes to an alternate, alternate dimension. And especially if his universe's Batman has died, he can bring Michael Keaton back to, to kind of, you know, get, get the team, bring the band back together. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world of just the completionist, like it would be great to, to you know, give Ben Affleck some money uh, and have him show up in like the first 10 minutes of a movie to sort of establish everything and then yeah. like have things change. But yeah, you could go either way with it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Arkham says if they replace Ezra, I'd cast Taron Egerton, Bob Morley, Cody Krishner, Taylor Johnson, Alexander Ludwig, Dakaray Montgomery, Zach Efron, Dylan O'Brien or Tyler Posey. Are uh, his choices or her choices? Uh, so um, yeah, there you Aaron, go. Aaron Taylor Johnson does have experience playing a fast person. <laughs> Fair point, Quicksilver. You're right. Um, I don't like the idea of Zach uh, Efron, and I don't think Taron Egerton would take a. Uh, I don't think he would do a Flash situation. I don't think he's kind of. He's already in a franchise, you know. Go ahead. I do think uh, DGMC is right. I think Batflick became the plumber of Roka's apartment, and that's what we're, uh, <laughs> I think that's what we're dealing with right now. He's trying to take right it down. So, He's trying uh, to take the whole damn thing down. <laughs> Why did you use that name? Why did you say that name? Um, um, but actually, also uh, DGMC right here. I think I, you know, that Batfleck did hand over the head position of JL to Soups, and yep. the Henry Cavill of it all is like a big question. Like, there's been a lot of back and forth because they were saying. Uh, a little bit ago that Henry Cavill was going to be a character that was going to pop up in yeah. movies in small ways here and there. So between the Henry Cavill of it and the potential Michael Keaton of it, yeah. I do think there could be this idea that like Superman has the reins of the Justice League, doesn't quite know what to do. And then you have this older Batman come in. Uh, it would be a super different vibe to have an older Batman with sort of a younger, more contemporary Superman. Yeah. But, you know, I think that DC should not be afraid to sort of chart their own course in that way. Yeah. Uh, kind of tell a story that kind of goes in its own direction. Because I think if they open themselves up to that, uh, the possibility of telling some really interesting stories that uh, are different from what we're used to seeing in all of the classic comic book stories that we know could be really cool. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, let me, there's a, a, a couple of, we did all the super chats here, but there's a stream lab they roll through here. It's from Tavishka Productions. He donated $1, says, I only have a dollar since I spent my stream lab's budget on the Erica Schmobot this afternoon on SEN. Uh, speaking of robots, what is your favorite robot slash AI film? Gentlemen? Ooh, robot slash AI film. Yeah. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to split it down the middle and say okay. for sheer action awesomeness, I'm going to go Terminator 2. Ooh. Uh, but for cerebral awesomeness and sexy dancing, I'm going to go Ex Machina. Damn, you got, you got two, you took two of yeah. the good ones. Those are good uh, ones. <laughs> that's why, that's why I went first. <laughs> uh, okay, so I don't want to repeat. I was going to say T2 because I have more of a connection to that than either of you. Um, but what wow. I will, I, I will go RoboCop. Really? I, I, okay, well, that, that's a choice. The original? Uh, the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the original or, or the other one? Uh, the, the original, the 80s. Okay. If you feel like it. I mean, I guess if you feel like it, you can go that route. I, Mike took the two. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that, that, he did do that. He did do that. I'm putting the, I think I'm putting the, yeah, the stream of John Roger says, I said, okay, those, that's the uh, Streamlabs uh, address. That's uh, and Andrew G was asking. And he wants to send some stuff in. If you guys want to send some stuff in, let me connect it as well. I think it's uh, the right address there. So in case you, Wanted to, and remember, you can come in live and ask us questions. We've got about 13 minutes left in the show before we probably have to wrap this thing up and roll people on out of here. We want to talk. We want to talk to some people. Come in here. Get in yeah, here come and talk. In Ooh, Reginald Brown Music just said is upgrade in that field. That oh. is a fantastic, fantastic poll. 
Yeah. I will yeah. say I I would not have seen that except that Shannon went to see it in theaters, called me, told me how good it was, and then yeah. took me to the movies to see it. And uh, wow. it's fantastic. Upgrade well, was great. John John took me to the premiere. Do you remember that, Johnny? Yes, of course I remember. Yeah. That. I remember walking um, out in the middle of the movie to go take a piss and Lee Winnell is pacing back and forth in front of the refreshment stand, completely nervous about how people are responding to his movie. I walked up to him. It was an hour in. And I said to him, I said, Lee, you got yourself a damn good movie. Just letting you know. And he was like, Oh my I, God, uh, thank you. So there you really go. Cool. I, I hope you guys, hope you guys had fun at the premiere together. Oh, oh amazing. Oh, <laughs> I actually have a picture of us on the red carpet. You know what? I'm gonna put four. that. I'm gonna put that up on the four. Instagram and see yeah, if yeah. I can Photoshop Mike into it. <sighs> yeah, sorry oh. about that. Uh, uh, Ethan, has, Ethan has a question. Does her count? Does her count as a? I AI think it counts. I think it counts. counts. Yeah. She's literally an AI. That absolutely yeah. counts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Junko says, "Love you, Shannon." As Agent Collins in the Mentalist. Oh <laughs> shit! Who is Junko Tamaya? Who uh, is giving some love? Yeah, the, I is 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 Junko. Is she is she from is she from Japan? I don't know. It says Junko. Junko. Maybe Junko. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes, for I, I know our listeners have heard this, but I but I played a uh, I played an FBI agent named Agent Collins on four episodes of The Mentalist. If you know. <laughs> uh, uh, Smithy virtuosity. says virtuosity. <laughs> wow, that is noted director Alan Smithy, who is coming in to ask us a question. He's directed a number of films here in Hollywood. <laughs> Uh, so you do know him. He is a regular on my uh, on my Outlaw Nation show. So I, I love that guy. He always asks the funniest questions. All right, I've just put in the link again. If you want to come in and uh, ask a question live, you can do so. Uh, or you send in some Streamlabs or Super Chats as we wrap up and rolling into the end of the show. Somebody said Transformers for Roca. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Markham O. That is absolutely the best AI movie or robot movie or whatever you want to say. Uh, but I think Alan Smithy makes another one. Don't forget 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, absolutely one of the most terrifying AI situations and for sure. When was the last time you guys watched 2001? Uh, for the cinephiles last year. Yeah. Whew, guys, that movie's slow. What? It is. Like, I'm just saying that, like, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. The last time that I watched it, uh, I was really struck by how much pacing has changed between then and now. I think it's more a matter of the fact that your patience for good cinema has changed and clearly evaporated. You insane person. That movie is brilliant. I'm glad I'm glad that here on the Geek Buddies we all respect each other's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, upgrade basically Venom done well? By the way, right? upgrade is a thousand percent Venom done well. That is exactly <laughs> upgrade is exactly what Venom should have been. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't well, disagree. Oh, David said Robot and Frank was charming. You are absolutely correct, David. Oh, I haven't Ro seen that one. Oh, it Frank Langella, it's such I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's a okay. really it's a really sweet movie. Yeah, fair enough. Uh Mara M says a uh, random question. Is it better to support you guys by either watching the Geek Buddies on YouTube or listening to it on Apple? podcasts um either way i mean apple podcast really helps us because we've got uh ads and and uh stuff that run on that so we prefer you doing that but nothing wrong with also clicking on the youtube link for like a minute so we get the view count for it and uh moving on with the rest of your day so 
both those things help us, Mayra, just in different ways. So whatever you feel like doing, we appreciate either way you consume the show. But we are going to we're planning on doing more of these live episodes, maybe one per month as a maybe even as like an extra addition to the other episodes we do could be a fun like Q&A live stream that we do uh, every month with the three of us. Uh, we just answer your questions. So it could be a lot of fun. We're kicking that idea around. So we wanted to try it out today to see how it worked. Uh, Jungle Tomai says, because of Geek Buddies, I started My Little Pony. There you go, Mike. Awesome. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, definitely like hit us up on the Twitter page. Let me know which episodes you're watching. Let uh, let us know where you're at and let us know who your favorite pony is because that's super, super important. Mine is Rainbow Dash. Uh, mine is Emily Blunt. Tempest. 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 Thank you. I'm going with Tempest. Yeah, I'm going with Tempest. <laughs> She is. She is. Uh, uh, anyway, I can't. I, I go insane. You're supposed to watch it on acid, Michael. That's what we said about 2001. You're supposed to watch it on acid. Um, uh, yeah, David. Thank you. There is so much to take in with 2001 that I didn't find it slow at all. You're absolutely right. It was. You know, maybe Mike. Mike should listen to our geek, but our cinephiles breakdown of it with Scott Mance. It's a five-hour podcast uh, broken up over two parts, and uh, you'll understand the movie better. Sounds like the pacing of that episode of the Cinephiles might be oh. a little slow too. Oh, that's it! You would be outside. How dare you? Dimitrika uh, said, "Rewatch the Fountain and Wolf." The pacing on that was super slow too. Yeah, I don't disagree. <laughs> the Fountain can be a tough watch uh, there as well. Uh, what do we got here? Jay McMall says, "Anybody got a fave Green Lantern? If so, which do you think should lead the supposed HBO Max series?" Assuming. It still happens, right? There have been some rumors that there will be a Green Lantern series as the next thing after uh, the uh, Snyder cut and possibly an air cut if that ever drops. So do you guys, want, who would you want to see be the lead of this Green Lantern show? Uh, and maybe even who would you want to see do it? You know, I feel like because the Green Lantern core film is still is still in development and they still want it to happen, I feel yeah. like they will go super obscure with with their green lantern that they probably yeah. will want to save their principal green lanterns for the movie yeah so i i would love to see an alien lead it like like toma ray like i think that would be cool. oh interesting okay what about you mike oh gosh a lot of truth i mean um you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with uh with them um, diversity and say it would be cool to see alan scott maybe a modern day alan scott maybe a reboot Ooh. of alan scott but maybe uh give us a gay lantern well, did Alan Scott come out as gay? I didn't know that. I've, I've been kept up on the mythology of that. Oh, wow. Okay. Like three, yeah, we three or four it. years ago, right, Mike? Oh. Yep. Yeah, about, about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think fabulous. I mean, you know what? I think what is good about Green Lantern, um, and, and whether or not you include the Hal Jordans and the Kyle Rayners and everything else, but what is really cool is that even on the human side, they have such a diverse cast of lanterns to choose from right. that this is a, this is a series that uh, – that can really uh, represent all the things that we've been talking about in the past several weeks on Geek Buddies. So I yeah. hope that they go in that direction. I hope it's not just a, uh, here's our, you know, here's our, you know, Kyle, Hal, Guy, uh, you know, I want a John Stewart. I want an Alan Scott. Like I want, I, I would love to see that variety. I love Alan Scott. I love Hal Jordan, especially when he becomes the, uh, the uh, specter. But I think my number one choice, because I'm a terrible fan of, Justice League International is Guy Gardner. Just to have Guy Gardner in some form. And look, I know it's not politically correct, right? Probably had to have a Green Lantern like that. But if they could ever pull it off, uh, it would you be. Want, you, you, want the, you want the shit stir. Yeah, I want the shit. I love him. <laughs> I hate him and love him at the same time. And it could be a fantastic series if you found the right cat, the right actor and the right uh, showrunner and director to put it together. 
Guy, listen, Guy Gardner is an interesting choice in the world that we live in today. That yeah. would be that would be quite a. Uh, it would be interesting to see how, how you would play that one. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like him learning a lesson constantly in every episode, you know. <laughs> oh, what's the movement now? Uh, uh, P.S. Jay McMall says, back to fave animated series. Green Lantern uh, uh, TAS is fantastic and underrated. You could say it's out of this world. Boom. Well, we you, could say that. You, you could say that if you were Shannon McClung and that was the joke <laughs> that you were going to go with. <laughs> solid, solid dad joke there. Um, oh. yes, uh, you know, the Green Lantern animated series, I imagine they did that hoping that, uh, assuming that the Green Lantern film was going to be a hit. Yeah. Um, for season two, great episode, Steam Lantern. Yeah. Uh, such a, I mean, again, speaks, speaks to what I, speaks to what I like to see that, that yeah. Hal gets blasted to a alternate earth where it's super steampunk and mm -hmm. the guy who, who is using the ring, he's using it as more of like an engine. Uh, but he yeah. uses, uh, uh, Alan Scott's ring. He doesn't call him by name, but he does talk about a guy in a cape. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, by the way, that's how, that's how you knew Alan Scott was gay. He really rocked a cape in a very fashionable way. Look, he, and yes, as somebody, as somebody said in the chat, I didn't see it yeah. was, but yes, Alan Scott was gay in an earth two version, but I think yeah, he's, he, much like, much like Bobby Drake in the X-Men comics, yeah. he was probably gay in earth one, two. He just stayed in the closet there. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> How about this? A, uh, a John Stewart, Guy Gardner, uh, buddy cop series. I like. By that. the way, a hundred percent would watch. A hundred percent would watch that. That is that is the modern day superhero. Forty eight hours lethal weapon that oh. I didn't know that I needed. It's so true. Like that would be so so good. Well, the rumor a few years ago is that 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 Green Lantern Corps was going to be Hal and John Stewart, but I think Guy yeah. and John Stewart is probably a much more comedically dynamic idea. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mara M says, what can we do to help you guys get sponsored? Cause Manscaped should totally sponsor you guys. We can start a Twitter campaign. Just saying, yeah, Mara, please absolutely uh, start a Twitter campaign, promote us. Uh, certainly there's a lot of facial hair on my two, uh, the two, my two co-hosts over there. So they would certainly oh, use Manscaped. Yeah. That's not the only place you Manscaped. Okay. All right. That's true. And I did I did those ads for Collider, and certainly we had to talk about <laughs> nicking your balls and having blood all over the place. So oh, God, was, there we go. It was a weird read to do, but, you know, God, you do damn. it. I'm happy to do it for Manscaped because we all Manscaped. That's for damn sure. <laughs> you straight you straight people. You straight people need some tutorials. Yeah, I'm telling you. We just don't do that kind of thing. I've, and, I've, uh, I've never had blood from my balls. <laughs> really? <laughs> never. <laughs> Let me come shape. I imagine Guy Gardner probably doesn't manscape either. I imagine he probably just lets it all flow there. I, that's kind of jerky. <laughs> do you think? Do you really? think? Do you think he, he styles it like his hair? It's just a bowl oh. cut. Oh, maybe I don't know. We're, we're, now we're losing <laughs> the really, reins of the show. This really took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to the Blue Beatles, since David? Uh, I don't know. Man. Which which one? Well, Johnny, yeah. you don't you don't like this? Well, because you you hate that Jaime Reyes is the Blue Beetle. Like you're not I a big Jaime Reyes. Hate is a strong word. What I I say that I, I I'm okay with it. It's okay. Like it's great that they're bringing in Latinos. My problem is I'd like them to be Latino from the beginning. Their own heroes. We need our own heroes. I mean, shit. An but, Asian an Asian superhero is getting his own movie before we are, and that's just mind blowing to me. 
But what about, but the, couldn't you say the same about Miles Morales? No, Miles is half and half, so he's not full, and he's black. No, no, he's no, 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 no. I meant, okay. I meant Miles Morales as someone else who took on the mantle. Yes, of I agree. Hero. As much as I enjoy Miles Morales as Spider Man, I didn't. I have never read the Ultimate, the Spider Man Ultimate, because of like eh, he's taking over someone else's mantle. In the, even though I loved Into the Spider Verse. For me, I want to see Latino superheroes get a fair shake here. Somebody needs to start writing these heroes that are from the beginning, Latino from the beginning, and make them center stage. And they need to catch on with the public so we can down the road have uh, have Latino superheroes have their own uh, spot as well. I mean, even Kamala Khan and Miss Marvel is getting her own kind of thing. Yeah. So I'd like that. But I think that... I, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think we need more original superheroes for sure. Yeah. But I, and I'm like, I'm on that, I'm on that cusp because I actually love Ted Cord. I think Ted Cord and Booster Gold is one of my favorite. Oh my god, buddies, yes. like buddy team ups in comic book, comic books of all time. They yeah. are hilarious. Yes. But Jaime Reyes is pretty awesome, and if you do read a lot of those comics, uh, and the way they ha they built up the mythology around the Reach, and the way they use that even in like Young Justice, like I think that like Jaime has definitely graduated to a point where even though he is based on a previous hero, yeah. in a lot of ways his story has surpassed that. Like I would love a, a straight up Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle movie. I think it would be. I think I think bringing Jaime Reyes into the live action DC universe mm -hmm. would be an A plus move across the board. Right, but would you need to have Ted Cord in it? Because, I mean, you had to have Peter Parker no. in the Miles Morales one. I don't think you do, because I think okay. the difference is that uh, Jaime's um, origin kind of takes what Blue Beetle's understand, what, what Ted Kord's understanding of, of the Beatles stuff that he had, yeah. uh, which was never really into extraterrestrial stuff or anything else. Like, they took that and they added so much yeah. that if you just had a movie where Jaime Reyes uh, happened to find this piece of alien artifact that, like, attached to his... I mean, honestly, yeah. as we were talking about before... Blue Beetle is upgrade. I mean, Blue yeah. Beetle. Blue Beetle is just another sort of version of what sure. upgrade does. So sure. take like kind of take what upgrade is, lower it down to sort of a family friendly kids movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with a Latino superhero, and like that's a win. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we had someone waiting to come in live. I don't know if I can bring him in live. Are you ready, Andrew? Give me a thumbs up. Are you ready, Andrew? Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's bring him in one more time, Andrew G. Hey! Yeah. What's up, bud? What do you got? Oh, no, he's just running off. Oh, just, people don't want to climb it. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, man. I just want to say, um, okay, imagine this. I, I, I've said this before many times on, on Sen or on Ola Nation on stream right. and stuff, but imagine this for a minute. A Blade Runner-esque Gotham City future Batman Beyond with Michael Keaton. Imagine that. Yeah. Not a bad Hold idea. On. Hold, on. Hold on. Yeah. Shut, close your eyes. And go there. All right. You know what? I'm in. I'm yeah. in. But I, I want it to be like a sequel to his Burton movies. Like this mm. is the future of his Batman. Right. Well, uh, I do think actually to your point, and I think that this is again to my whole. This is this is where DC does need to take a page out of the Marvel book because Marvel is really good at planning these things. That their yeah. phases, like they know they don't know every detail, they don't know every story thing. But to your point. If Michael Keaton, for example, the bad, like bad pitch, this is what you do all the time in a, in a writer's room. You just give the, the, the really broad over the top pitch. But like if Michael Keaton's Batman was going to leave his reality yeah. 
yeah. to go be a Batman in our universe and help fix DC's mess yeah. and needed someone in his Blade Runner-esque Gotham City to sort of held up the mantle, you can introduce a Terry McGinnis and Michael oh. Keaton can pop back and forth. Like there's a way that you can use Michael Keaton to sort of be the Batman in our modern day DC universe while at the same time using him to open the door to telling a version of that Batman Beyond universe as well, which could be super interesting. So I totally agree with you. I think that's a really, really cool idea. That could work too, yeah. Cool. That it, Andrew? That was it, man. I just okay. wanted to get back in one <laughs> Thanks for joining us, man. Put it out into the universe, you know? Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Speak it out there. Thanks so much for joining us live, brother. It's always good to see you. Yeah, you too, man. Take it easy. Are you too? Bye, uh, good guy, Andrew. Um, all right, we got to wrap up here because uh, uh, we got to get going. Oh, wait, I put the wrong one up. Where it is? There it is. All right, uh, let me see. I want to hit a couple more comments. Uh, someone, met, oh yeah, Arkham said Zolo Maradueña from Cobra Kai could be the perfect choice as Blue Beetle for DC. I agree, he's fantastic in that show. So it seems to fit the Jaime Reyes uh, look uh, as well. Uh, someone mentioned Jesse Plemons possibly as a guy gardener. Awesome. That could be fun. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, there is a Latino ghostwriter, but once again, he didn't start out being Latino. There is one who's just taken over the mantle to somebody else. So uh, we shall see. From 89 to 95, they had an El Diablo comic book. So there was, there have been. It's just a matter of you got to have the one that cra- grabs the mainstream, you know? Well, and actually, but to that point, I mean, uh, you know, to give DC and Marvel a little bit of credit here. Yep. Over the years, they've tried a thousand yes. times Absolutely. to bring in new heroes. Here's this new yes. cast of this. Here's these new heroes. And... You know, every once in a while, you get a Miles Morales, you get a Jaime Reyes who kind of like gets in there enough to stick for a while. But it's challenging because most of the time, as all of us as comic book uh, purchasers, uh, you know, uh, purveyors, whatever, we'll try something out. But for it to actually cut through like that, that's where the comic book industry is in that really weird space, because the people that are buying comic books are the guys and girls who have loved them forever, but they love the same characters they loved 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever. And so figuring out whether this is, you know, the movies themselves kind of taking a step forward and introducing new heroes who never existed before, or uh, whether it's in television uh, and starting another universe like the Arrowverse. Like, I do think that the next big generation of heroes that are really going to cut through probably won't happen in comics. Mm. I think it's going to have to come from somewhere else whether that be young adult novels or something else where these characters become so popular yeah. that it, it's almost like they demand to. Um, Cause you know, the Kamala Khan's and you know, like those, those are, yep. those are few and far between. And when they work, they really work. Yeah. Uh, but so that, that's where I think it's going to be interesting to see where that next generation of a more diverse looking cast of superheroes that really, really stick uh, come from. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I like this idea. John Rook is Blue Beetle's dad. Yeah, sure. Why not? I'll do it. I came close to being Steven Universe's dad. I was in the last three, and sadly, I didn't make it. Oh. So it uh, could have been a, a nice little change in my life, money-wise. Uh, Batman <laughs> is basically Zorro, and Calm Down versus Zorro is basically Batman. So the the, the, the struggle continues. <laughs> the fight continues. Um, one last thing, uh, and, uh, and we'll get out of here. I want to ask you guys, if we have an old Keaton, older Keaton, rather, as Batman, if we do Alan Scott, if we do, uh, uh, do we do, do we do uh, a um, Hal Jordan and finally bring Nathan Fillion into the universe as they Hal Jordan do some fan service as an older Hal Jordan or an older Alan Scott? Do we have that with uh, Nathan Fillion? Uh, in my opinion, no. 
I think okay. if if Batman, if if Keaton's Batman takes off and becomes again that sort of guy who 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 is the motivating factor to get a new Justice League, I think he will be the lone older hero. Okay, they will surround him with people of of a younger age. That's just my guess. All right, all right, all right. Uh, and, I, I, and I love and I love Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Now, now. By the way, I think Shannon's probably right, but now I'm trying to cast in my mind. Remember when they took the Golden Girls opening credits, but they replaced it with like the old superheroes? Brilliant. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? So now I'm like, okay, fuck the movies. I want Michael Keaton, Nathan Fillion, yeah. and I'm trying to think who else. Linda Carter. Like super- Linda Carter. Oh. Adam, unfortunately, Adam West has passed, or we we could play with Adam West. Christopher Reeve has passed, or we could play with Christopher yeah, Reeve. I'm trying to think, well, you got you, yeah. you got Michael Keaton as Batman, Nathan yeah. Fillion as Green Lantern, Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. I'm trying to think who I cast as Superman as my like old Golden Girls retirement home. Just like they're all getting into trouble. Lex Luthor is down the hall in his little motorized yeah. wheelchair causing <laughs> shit. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> oh God, now I gotta go, I gotta go work on this. <laughs> Tim Sheridan, one last comment. Uh, Sitting on a stack of DC NDAs over here, but I would like to give a general personal nod of agreement to all the stuff you guys have said. Oh, thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, All right. I think that's everything. We've answered all the Super Chats and the Streamlabs. Thank you all so much for joining us live here uh, on the Geek Buddies on the Outlaw Nation channel. It's our honor to bring you our show and certainly have fun with you all and uh, and, sharing the geekiness of it all. And certainly we couldn't have picked a better week to go live than have Michael Keaton coming back as Batman, someone that all three of us watched in the theater uh, do his thing way back in 1989. So exciting for us overall. Let us know what you thought about our answers to all these questions here as you're watching us after we've recorded live down in the comments section below. Remember to like this video, share this video on your social media and everything like that. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MK2. And if you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca Says. Yeah. Uh, Mikey? Uh, yeah, look, you guys are awesome. Uh, for everybody who's been joining us, this has been great. As soon as you get done with this, uh, get ready to uh, go to the Twitter page, tell everybody how much fun the first live show was, and uh, get ready to repost this, uh, get it out there. And if you're listening to us on Anchor or iTunes or Spotify or you're right here on YouTube, definitely rate us, definitely like us, definitely leave comments, definitely give us stars, give us all the things. So the higher up we go, the more people join in and the more we can do awesome stuff like these live episodes. Absolutely. Uh, Aaron J's fan, let me answer your question. Hell no. Fuck no. Uh, no way on God's green earth. And uh, Tim Sheridan says, Philly and his Green Lantern in Reign of the Superman, you jerks. Oh, Interesting. We, I, I knew that. I thought that. I thought that's why we were talking about him. Yeah, yeah. I just brought it up because it randomly occurred to me. But he said, uh, he says, "I love you guys." So there you go. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Thanks to everybody. And of course, Ethan Murphy. Murphy, vote Vogel for victory. I like that. Vogel for victory. <laughs> <laughs> all right, for Shannon McClung, uh, Michael Vogel. I'm John Roca. Thank you all so much for watching us here on the first ever live episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey! 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.